Welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolf here. No Gavin today, but I'm joined by my good buddy Schwinny Poo. You might know him from the Strickland or from Pod Strickland, where he appears two times a week, or from Strick and Roll, his own podcast on the Strickland Podcast Network, part of the Believe Podcast Network. So definitely check Schwinn out there if you haven't already, or on Twitter at Schwinny Poo. And we are talking about a little bit of a news dump from the Knicks today. Well, today as we're recording this, but on on Monday afternoon the Knicks say that Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle are both questionable for game two we're going to talk about the implications of that what could happen if they're both out if the Knicks can win the game without both of them how the Knicks could potentially absorb an 0-2 deficit in this series and much more next on Locked on Knicks you are locked on Knicks your daily New York Knicks podcast part of the Locked on podcast network your team every day and I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. Starts without a five. Ewing for the win. Yes. Up and tuck left. Now fires it. And he's good. And he's fouled. And he's Anthony for three. Today's show is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. And I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Knicks first listen today and every day, whether you're checking us out on your favorite podcast platform or taking in sights and sounds on YouTube. We appreciate you making us a part of your daily routine. Make sure if you want to be an everydayer to hit that notification bell on youtube or the auto download function on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode we're here for you guys five days a week if not more right now and i'm alex wolf i'm editor-in-chief and excite the strickland which you can find at strict.land and i'm joined by my bestest buddy from the strickland schwinny poo who you might know from like 15 different podcasts uh you might also know him as at schwinny poo on twitter he's probably cursed out your favorite nick's beat writer at some point schwinn how you doing today and uh, how are you feeling in advance of game two, buddy? Uh, I'm doing just peachy today. Uh, honestly, like, I, look, obviously I'm not happy the Knicks lost game one. But I kind of just like, I, I don't know, maybe this makes me, maybe I'm, maybe Giannis's speech really got to me. Because I'm just like, <laughs> I'm kind of just very happy with this season. And I think they should beat Miami. But if they don't, I'm just not going to be that upset about it. Because... I, they've hit every target I've wanted for them. Like they made the playoffs with an automatic bid. You know, think about this before the season. How many of us actually? I think if you go back and look at the Strickland, uh, you know, with the roundtable we did, pretty sure most of us were like, "Well, if they make the plan, that'd be cool." Uh, mm-hmm. We don't know if Tibbs will be able to manage the roster properly, and blah blah blah. And like, you know, forty-seven wins. That's way above what anybody thought. Uh, and a more competitive East than when they did it in 2021, uh, 2020, or 2020, 2021. Um, and then, you know, you win a first round series against the team that traded for the guy that you apparently made this gigantic catastrophic error not to trade for. Yes. It's annoying. Like that. I, I do hundred percent believe we're better than Miami. And for reasons that we will discuss uh, that may not, you know, bear out in the results, but like, you've got to feel really really good about you know what was achieved this year even if they do lose the series and then also just 
how the team is set up moving forward. And, and like the one big thing that I think a lot of us were concerned about was RJ Barrett's play um, coming into the playoffs and to see him bounce back the way he has. I mean, that, that honestly is like the cherry on top of it all. Yeah, it, it really is. I mean, it's, it's unfortunate. I mean, the heat might be walking into the situation where they had Giannis injured in round one, which obviously influenced that series in a big way. And now might potentially have, uh, if things, I mean, we don't know what's going to happen. They're both questionable. Uh, but the Brunson one kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, it didn't, it, he wasn't, it didn't seem like it would be likely that he would be on the injury report. And now is on the injury report, uh, with what they're deeming a sore ankle, which is exactly what they deemed Julius Randle. So maybe read between the lines, maybe they both have sprained ankles. I don't know, uh, when exactly that happened for Brunson, but you know, it's, it, the Heat may find themselves in the situation where they face the Knicks without their two All NBA All Star level players, and it's kind of just like the plucky, you know, younger Knicks that have to go out there and try to win this game too. A very very crucial game too, obviously, because especially as the home team, the odds are not super in your favor if you go down 0-2 uh, in a series. No matter what the circumstances, I think it's like you have like a less than ten percent chance of winning. The series historically, if you go down 0-2 in a series, um, and the Knicks would have to then go on the road, potentially take two road games or something. I don't know. I mean, if for their hockey fans out there, that literally just happened for the the Knicks uh, MSG, uh, you know, sister team, the Rangers, where both teams, uh, them and the Devils, both took two games on the road to even out a series. So maybe that could happen, but uh, not super likely. Uh, I guess the the first question to start on, Schwinn, like. I mean, there's now a possibility, uh, since they're both deemed questionable, that both Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle won't be able to go in this game. Do you think the Knicks can win this game without both of them? I mean, I, I'm inclined to say, yes, they could win, but I'm, I don't think it's particularly likely. Okay, I think they can win without both of them. I agree, it's not likely. Can I... Should I do a little hot take? A little hot take? Sure. Yeah, uh, my, hot, my hot take is I think it could be beneficial for the Knicks in the rest of this series if Brunson doesn't play, Randall does. I think I think that's what's going to happen. I don't think Brunson's going to play. I think Randall will play. If that happens and they win, I think that could be beneficial for the Knicks for the rest of the series for a few reasons. Um, I'm not going to read off the numbers and I don't like it's very visibly obvious to me and there are people that disagree with this. I don't really care. The numbers are the numbers. If you want to look them up on NBA.com stats and look at the touches and time of possession, all that stuff, you can do it. It's a fact. Brunson is handling the ball way too much right now. Like, mm -hmm. and I don't think that's some like, oh, Jalen's just, he's just being an asshole. Like, no, like, I think that's a tactical choice that was made in the Cleveland series. And I talked about it during that series. I thought it was a reasonable choice because the only way Cleveland was going to win and the only reason they won one game is why? Because we turned the ball over a ton. That was it. That was the only way they were going to win that series. They were not going to win. They were not going to beat us in the half court. They were not going to beat us on the glass. There was no way they could make up enough possessions other than that. And I was okay with him basically making the choice after game one that Brunson is going to have the ball all the time and RJ will have the ball a lot. And that's that. And like, I think even Randall's usage got, I feel like Randall was on the ball less during games two to four than RJ was um, even when Randall was healthy. Right. Cause Randall obviously missed, um, you know, no, he played all of game four, right. He just got benched basically. Mm -hmm. And I thought in all those games, 
RJ got the ball more. And for good reason, RJ played better. He deserved the ball more. Um, so I think it's a choice he made, and I'm fine with that choice. Miami is not Cleveland. And I think it's a really big mistake to try to operate the same way. Like the reason I was fine with it against Cleveland and I actually was encouraged by it is what did remember when we played at Atlanta in 2021, one of all of our main criticisms was like, why are you just like, it doesn't feel like anything you're doing is specific to this opponent to, to taking things away. You're not like, it doesn't feel like that. And I didn't, I, th- I thought in the Cleveland series, he showed a lot of creativity, adaptability, particularly on the defensive end. Offensively, it wasn't that creative, but I understood the choices he made and I was fine with them. I don't agree with them against Miami. I don't think you can have games where it's just the Brunson show and, you know, with like featuring RJ Barrett. Like, you know, it, it has to be more egalitarian than that. And, you know, I, I've, I know that like a lot of people have been disappointed in Quickly's play and I totally understand that. I don't, I don't think he's played great, but I also think looking at his role, look at how many touches he's getting right now. Look at where those touches are coming on the floor. You can't tell me the role he's playing now is what he was doing the last three, four months of the season when he was awesome. And we were all like, he should be six man. And Malcolm Rodman. Um, like I just, I don't, I don't think that's beneficial. So the reason why I say this, I did not like, I watched the, I rewatched the game this morning. I didn't, I, I thought Brunson had a bad game yesterday. I feel even more strongly about that now because offensively, I thought he did a really bad job being the point guard. And what I mean by that is RJ had six attempts in the first quarter yesterday. He was five or six in the field. I think that was the best quarter of his career. Uh, he was absolutely cooking second quarter. He took one shot. Mm-hmm. That's unacceptable. And, and that can, we can talk about Tibbs and I agree. Tibbs needs to, you know, tell Jalen too, but like ultimately like players have to, you have to trust your players to make decisions on the floor. And part of the reason we got Brunson, right. Is why, Oh, he's going to help these guys, you know, get, get comfortable and get them easier shots and blah, blah, blah. He didn't do that yesterday. And I thought RJ, RJ is kind of like Jekyll and Hyde first and second half was almost a direct consequence of that because he didn't touch the ball for like much of most of the second quarter. Then the third quarter comes around and he's like, every time he touched the ball, I felt he was like, it's RJ Barrett time. And on a lot of occasions I might be annoyed with RJ, but in that instance, I kind of, I understood it. And I, I wasn't that upset about it. Cause I was just like, I, I thought Brunson played like an asshole and I thought Tibbs didn't rein him in when he should have. And I think that's kind of the, you know, when you lean so much into how often we're going to Brunson and it seems like every possession, right. It's like Brunson walks up, he gets a screen, he surveys the land and then he, you know, he, ISOs or he does it, it's it's just way too much Brunson and there are times for that but there's also times where like hey man RJ has a cooking let's let's get RJ going here and and yeah quickly hasn't had it going but I don't think quickly's had enough like, it's like he gets like two possessions running a pick and roll and if he doesn't like you know immediately have an impact on those it's like well that's it time to bring Brunson back in the game or time to just completely go away from that. I mean, I, I, again, I watched it back today. I don't think quickly played that good of a game offensively or anything. I, I, I think actually he played a pretty bad game offensively, but he didn't really get much opportunity to do anything with the ball. And like when he was on the floor running point nominally in both halves, I thought the Knicks offense actually got good looks. They didn't cash in some of them, but in the second half, I thought the best stint was with Brunson off the floor to be quite honest. Um, so long story, like, I think they can benefit from that because I think RJ will get more touches 
And I think Randall will probably get more touches and quickly will get more touches. And I really believe to win this series, the Knicks need all three of those guys to get a better balance of touches than is currently happening. I mean, Josh Hart yesterday had more on the ball than, than quickly. Like that just makes no sense. Um, and then the final piece of it is like, you know, again, like I said, I watched it again today and I was even more convinced Brent Brunson had a terrible game. His defense was terrible yesterday. Absolutely terrible. He, and it wasn't just like, you know, Oh, he's, you know, there's some size mismatches. No, it was like his effort was poor on a lot of occasions. His rebounding focus yesterday was atrocious. Like, and I think Miami made it a point. I, I, I think that was a something they had targeted coming into the game. Because if you go back and watch the second quarter, he was on Caleb Martin a few times. And every single time a shot went up, Caleb Martin was like in there. He was in there. He got a couple offensive rebounds. Um, like you just have to have better effort than that from Brunson. And I this I'm like, I, I know it just sounds like I'm like totally like crapping on Brunson's life right now. Um, but it was just a bad game from him. And I think it's, we've been leaning too much in this direction through the playoffs, got away with it against Cleveland because of the opponent. You can't do that against Miami. They're too smart. They're too well coached. And Spol- like Spolstra is the best coach in the league. So you, if you just throw one thing at, like you can't be Mariano Rivera, dude, your cutter ain't that good. Like it's not, I'm sorry. Brunson is awesome, but he's not, you know, 98. He's like, he's like 93 Jordan out here. Like we need to relax. Um, so I, I feel like this injury, if if it does hold him out, I mean, it's not like it's a, a great thing for Brunson to get hurt, but I still like, I, I really believe the Knicks can still win this game without Brunson. Uh, and I do think it's a possibility for quickly to get going. And it's a possibility for us to really like get back to having a better balance than what cut we've seen over the last three or four games. Yeah, I'm with you there. And Gavin and I talked a, a lot about some of those similar things after the game too, about how Brunson is, is, maybe being relied upon a little too much. And that's kind of led to, I think, tiring him out to a degree too. Like if you're running every single possession, then down the stretch we saw yesterday, then you end up sloppy and, you know, things just don't come together as nicely as they should when you're not really like looking to do anything other than get into the paint and try to score. Uh, I also want to talk in a sec about how Brunson could potentially get quickly going and vice versa, because, I think that they both offer something that really works well with one another, but I do just have to let everybody know real quick that today's episode is brought to you by game time and, you know, buying tickets to your favorite events. It shouldn't be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. And with killer deals on last minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. And I'll tell you what, I'm not, I'm not a plan ahead guy. I'm often a like vibes guy when it comes to tickets with uh, going to an event. And maybe that'll happen with the Knicks game at some point during this postseason where I just say, you know what? I want to be in the building today. And if that happens, I'm going to be going to game time because that is like the app to go to. They do offer the best possible prices on last minute tickets, which is imperative. If you're like me and you kind of just decide to do something on the spur of the moment, then you're not getting, you know, screwed over by like StubHub or whatever other site that you want to, you know, look at that where everybody jacks their prices up at the last minute. Game time is like made for the last minute ticket buyer, which is the best thing. It is the place for last minute ticket deals. Forget planning months at events. They have deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. 
and you can get flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. And the game time guarantee means you always get the best price. So if you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. So snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code locked on NBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code locked on NBA for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, and we're back to continue talking about this perplexing game, too. There's a lot going on right now. You know, the, this this new Brunson injury does throw a lot into uh, uh, into the ring for the Knicks as far as uh, possibilities of, you know, Brunson possibly having to miss, and he's been so key to their playoff run. But, Schwinn, I'm kind of with you. Like, I know it's it, it is sort of a hot take to be like, hey, you know, maybe the Knicks could benefit from a game without their best player <laughs> for a game, but – it might serve as sort of a reality check, you know, to Tibbs and to, I guess, mostly just Tibbs at that, at that point, maybe to Jalen sitting on the sideline if he is, uh, just to see like, hey, you know, there are more than one guy on this team. Like, this doesn't have to be, it, it's funny kind of, you know, I made this I made this analogy yesterday, but like Brunson sort of in some ways has started playing like Luka Doncic in a way, which is ironic because he sort of left that situation where it was like Luka was handling the ball every single time down the floor. You know, it's like you're basically just banking on Luka, you know, making something happen. And and then you're just kind of sitting there waiting to either get the pass or, you know, just watch him take a shot. And it's felt a little bit of standing and staring uh, on the Knicks side, you know, these last few games as far as like, just kind of watching Brunson operate and not, uh, you know, having other guys get opportunities to set Brunson up even. And like, because of playing with Luca for as long as he did, we talked about this all year is like a huge selling point for why Brunson is so great. And it's what makes a lot of the greatest players great. Like we, we see this just uh, not to throw him into super rarefied air, but this is what make, makes Steph Curry such an amazing player is that he can do plenty of stuff with the ball in his hands, but he's also really great without it. And can let his teammates cook and set him up and and be there for spot up opportunities and stuff. Brunson shoots great in spot up opportunities, and that would save his legs a lot. That would save him, you know, having to wear himself out in the first three quarters, and then you know maybe get sloppy in the fourth quarter. And having Randall will certainly help that because Randall's going to soak up some of that ISO usage. But you know, allowing an Emmanuel quickly to go back to sort of their arrangement from the regular season and go back to like a 50-50 split when they're both out there could be beneficial for both because quickly definitely does his best work when he's got the ball in his hands and can set guys up. And that gets him sort of like rolling in a way that then sometimes translates to a spot up shooting. And Brunson is plenty good at just spotting up and shooting the ball as well and finding his spots well and spacing the floor. So like, why not take more advantage of that and give your star player more opportunities to not have to have the ball in his hands and not have to be so active like that. Um, so I'm, I'm totally with you. I, I think that it could be a sort of a weird blessing in disguise for the Knicks if, if he has to sit one game. And, and honestly, like, again, I, this is maybe my uh, – because I'm like very – you know, I've gone from being the angriest person alive to just being very zen about mm-hmm. it all. Um, but, like, I, I really feel that this could just be a really nice opportunity for our young guys, like – I mean, it's not a no-pressure situation. It's not a low-pressure situation. It's obviously a high-pressure situation because it's a playoff game. But to some degree, like, you would think if Brunson's out, the consensus opinion is going to be, like, 
well, that's the next best player. Like it's going to be hard for them to beat Miami, you know, just, you know, let's see if they can make a competitive kind of thing. And I don't know, like, I feel like that could be a nice spot for those guys. Not just quickly. I mean, we talk about quickly, but like Grimes played 10 minutes, which was insane to me, by the way, yesterday. I don't know what the hell that was about. Um, but like, it's, it's an opportunity for Grimes, you know, it's an opportunity for Obi, who we saw yesterday. And like, honestly, considering the situation he was put into where he was apparently the only guy who could shoot in that lineup yesterday, uh, I thought he acquitted himself fine in a pretty adverse situation. Honestly, I think he should have played more. Um, and I just think like you have these opportunities, like, you know, we've talked about it. This is a young team. They're still growing. Um, a lot of these guys are nowhere near their primes. This is like a nice, like, this is an opportunity for them to really, and it's, it's different from like, it was awesome seeing them in game five in Cleveland and all the, all of them contributed, you know, RJ quickly, Obi, um, Mitch, obviously Mitch was dominant in that game. And it's awesome to like, see them have these opportunities, but there's a difference between that game where, like, I know Randall didn't play the second half, but, like, when you have Brunson there, when you have Randall there, there's so much less responsibility on you. The, the onus isn't on you to create as much, right? Like, I mean, you look at the fourth quarter offense that we ran, it was just all Brunson all the time. Like, that's what the offense was. It's There's something to be said about, like, having the experience of in a playoff game at MSG, Gardens Rocking, you're playing the Heat. It's a historic rivalry. I don't care what anybody says that – that game's always going to mean something to Knicks fans. Um, like it, it's a, it's a, it's a spot. I mean, like it's one of those cliches, right? It's like, oh, this is what you dream of when you when you're a kid growing up. Like it kind of is, right? Like it's kind of like, okay, like it's on me, right? It's on quickly, it's on grind, it's on RJ, it's all these guys to step up and make up for the absence of a guy who was an All Star caliber player this year. So um, I don't know, I. As a fan, like as a as a romantic, I guess you could say, it is like it's it, it's it's fun to like think about. Okay, like let's you know I love these guys. I think they're all f-ing great. Let's let's see let, let's see let's see let's see if my uh, my faith will be rewarded yet again this year because I thought the same thing. Like you know when we played Boston this year, I was like, well, that's tough, but you know at least we beat Miami on Friday, and then you go out and you quickly ask the game of his life and RJ plays great that day. And, you know, Mitch is awesome. And it's like, you see all these things. So um, we'll see. And also uh, thank you in advance for all the editing work you'll be doing on this. <laughs> yeah. I've been, I've been keeping track. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> the people will only hear bleeps, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I I'm with you. I think there's something to be said for like, so two years ago, the Knicks, you know, a lot of these guys on this team got their first taste of playoff action. And this year we're seeing the progress that was made from getting that first taste. And like we saw a team that was in a similar spot to what the Knicks were two years ago in the Cavs kind of freezing the headlights and say, oh, man, like we don't know what to do because this is our first time here. And the Knicks kind of had their cool and the heat like for all their flaws are a team that's made the Easter conference finals a couple times in recent years and the NBA finals one time, you know, in the bubble. And it's like, this team isn't, you know, they're, they're no joke. Like if they heat up and they really get rolling. And as you said, they have the best coach in the NBA uh, in Eric Spolstra. I don't think there's like any doubt with the, the rosters that he drags to Eastern conference finals every year that he is the best coach in the NBA at this point. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of an accomplishment to, to be as good as, you know, the, the Knicks have been to this point. And then if you throw these young guys out there and you really are the type that believes in the linear progression of these young players, then this is a big test for them. And it's a big chance for them to really prove something 
in this game too if they have to play without their two best players, without their two – I mean, honestly, for how young this team is, like two of the oldest players on the team. Yeah. Uh, and and, 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 RJ, er, and uh, Julius Randle. Yeah, and even if they lose, like this is like th- this is where I've been, especially like once I got to see RJ play well in the playoffs, I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. Like I, I've just been at this place where I'm like, all these guys – will learn from these playoffs like like b- bad or good or whatever however they play they'll all be better for this i hundred I, I truly believe that because of what they've shown you know like rj had a down year and i don't like i know there's this whole thing of like oh you should apologize to rj i'm not gonna apologize to rj like rj's a big boy he had a bad year but guess what what it like it shows me that when push comes to shove like there is something there and he bounced back at the biggest time of the year when we really needed him when randall was in a a rut you know like he really stepped up that says a lot about his mental fortitude his character his ability to come through in adversity and i feel that way about like quickly and grimes i mean look at their kind of trajectories as players these are guys you know quickly was had a down first year at kentucky comes off the bench his second year, eventually wins player of the year. He's the 25th pick, you know, Grimes, the 25th pick. He was a five-star recruit that went to Kansas, had to transfer because he had such a miserable freshman year, goes to Houston, totally changes his game. He's the 25th pick. And now these guys have found their way in New York and and become like integral pieces to the team. Obi Toppin was a junior college transfer to Dayton. You know, like that's not some normal career path. Uh, Mitchell Robinson didn't even play in college. He got he dropped to the second round, and he's a guy that I've been out on multiple times. To be co- quite honest, like just it, it's hard to you know, like watching young. It's always easy to be like, oh, you, growth isn't linear, and young players need time, and blah blah blah. But when you're when you have to like when you watch it every single day, it's hard to just be like, well, it's okay that Mitch is fat right now. You know, no big deal. <laughs> Development's not linear, um, but like like you see what he's become, right? Like all these guys have come through various different challenges in their career and all of them have responded. So like, I really am excited for, you know, not just this game tomorrow, regardless of who starts, who plays, whatever, but honestly, just how these guys are set up moving forward, because I I think they're really set up well. And I, I believe in these guys. I think their mentality is good. I think, that's a credit to the front office too. It's like they've drafted guys and, and selected guys and, and not just drafted, right? Talk about free agency, retaining different players on the team that you inherited. It feels like they figured out the guys that they wanted, the guys that fit a certain type of like hard work, you know, we don't care about anything but basketball type of thing. Um, and, and they've, you know, landed these guys who quite frankly have outperformed expectations individually and collectively. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you, and I I think we should uh, we'll end the show by by talking about how the Knicks should approach this game two if both Brunson and Randall are out, which we've already sort of given, but maybe we could get into a little bit of how we would structure rotations and stuff like that in just a second. But I do have to remind everybody real quick that today's show is brought to you by Prize Picks, and Prize Picks right now has the million dollar daily super flex promotion for the NBA playoffs and finals. It's pretty sweet. Every day of the NBA playoffs and finals, one prize picks user will win a chance of becoming a millionaire. One entry placed after 8 a.m. Eastern will be randomly selected each day, and whoever placed that entry will be given a six-pick flex with the following payouts. Six correct picks, 
wins you a million dollars. Five correct picks wins you $80,000. And four correct picks wins you $16,000. Full details can be found at prizepicks.com slash million. You must opt in at this link to be eligible for the million-dollar entry. Again, that's prizepicks.com slash million. Once you opt in, all you have to do is play the game like normal, and you could be the lucky winner. Now, how do you play like normal? Price picks is different than your average daily fantasy. You're not building a roster using a weird salary system and all that crap that guys have a bunch of spreadsheets and buy a million entries to and totally sink your entry and you basically flush 20 bucks down the toilet or whatever. Price picks is different because you're just picking against their projections. So let's say that you think that Julius Randle, if he plays, is going to score over 21 and a half points. You can pick that as one of your price pick picks. And you can even mix sports and say, I think Francisco Lindor will have over one hit today. And do that as part of your entry as well. Uh, it's pretty cool, and it's it's very easy to get a grasp of. It's just you versus the numbers. You don't have to do anything, uh, have spreadsheets and all these algorithms and stuff to figure out how to play the game. So if you want to play and maybe win a million bucks, download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code Locked On. If you deposit $100, prize picks will give you $100. If you deposit $50, prize picks will give you $50. So don't forget to enter promo code locked on to sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. All right, Schwinn, we're back to finish out this discussion. And I think the best way to end this, I mean, we sort of talked, I, I feel like the best way to end the discussion, and maybe Julius Randle does end up playing, maybe Jalen Brunson ends up playing, maybe they both end up playing. But I, I think that the best way to end this discussion, especially based off what we've talked about so far, is to plan for a world where maybe you're missing both of them. Because I think that that's going to present a unique challenge for the Knicks and for Tibbs because he's so reliant on having one of those two guys. I actually – was there a single game during the regular season where the Knicks were without both of those guys? Yeah, towards the end of the season. Just, that was just like right at the end of the season, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it was, it's such a small sample. I, I feel like he has not had to approach any games of consequence like that in quite some time uh, other than maybe like the end of last season as well, when you had like big OB and quickly and, and all those guys minutes, what would your starting lineup be? If you, if you don't have either of those two guys, uh, just clone Josh Hart five times and play him <laughs> at all positions so that Tibbs can just like, he'll just for, for all 48 minutes. Yeah. Right? For, yeah. Just, <laughs> you know, I don't know rest quick RJ. You guys just get him Gatorade. We're good. No, uh, <laughs> I think I would I would want I would want quick Grimes RJ OB Mitch and then have Deuce Hart and Hartenstein off the bench. Yeah, I think that's like, pretty much it. I think you got to shorten down to eight man. Like you, it, yeah, you're not going to give honestly. Deuce should have played yesterday. I, yeah. I I I think it was a mistake not to play him. I, I understand and like not a this is not like it's not a catastrophic mistake. So when I say it's a mistake, like. You know, if you're like a huge tips fan, don't take that too too heavily. Um, like I, I think it's a mistake more because he's just a really good defender, and he gives you an opportunity to throw something out there that Miami maybe isn't expecting or is prepared for. You know, I don't think throwing him out there for a few minutes would have killed you. He played well when he got opportunities in the Cleveland series, um, and kind of honestly with like how you know, uh, a guy like Gabe Vincent was shooting it yesterday. Maybe it's not a bad idea to just throw dudes out there for a couple minutes, see if he can't screw with his head and then, you know, pull him. Like we saw him do that to Donovan Mitchell. Like, mm-hmm. so it, it, it's definitely possible. Um, so yeah, I, 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 that's, that has to be the lineup, right? I mean, there's nothing. And I honestly, 
I don't need to see Evan. I, I, I we don't need any Evan minutes. You don't need any Derrick Rose minutes. Like just go with the eight guys and just see what happens. Like, you know, maybe maybe you can throw Keels in there. You know, <laughs> <laughs> get him get him some. While we're getting the rest of the young guys, you know, some <laughs> some impactful playoff minutes. Yeah, why not throw Keels in there for a couple of minutes? Um, no, I'm with you. I think I think the eight man rotation would be the way to go. I don't see any benefits adding Fournier. I mean, honestly, like if if your team's been getting cooked on on defense to varying degrees, he's not going to solve that at all. And unless you're like positive that he just had the best warm up of all time and can hit like enough threes to offset the the deficiency he's going to give you on defense, I don't see any point in throwing him out there. That said, I would not be surprised if Tibbs did uh, because I think in the times when Brunson's been out. I'm trying to think. I guess it was mostly just when Brunson and RJ were both out for those few games that he unglued Fournier from the bench. But I could see a world where maybe if the Knicks come out shooting really bad from three again, that that he maybe throws them out there for a couple minutes just to see what could happen. Maybe it works. Maybe it doesn't. My inclination would be to say it probably wouldn't, and he'd probably be cold and not make a ton of threes. But I think a large amount of deuce minutes would be great. I mean, I think that – and more Grimes. I mean – for as long as Grimes was just out, I thought that he looked great. I thought he looked very healthy in game one and his shot looked very clean. It didn't look like he was laboring through anything really. And he even took like a pretty nasty spell at one point and got up just fine. Didn't seem to be wincing or anything. So, I mean, I kind of think that he's ready to rock, like just take the training wheels off, throw him out there, you know, get him a ton of minutes and, Definitely bring Hart off the bench again. Like I'm totally there with you too. Like I don't. I didn't see the point in even starting Hart yesterday. I feel like, <laughs> Ga- yeah. I mean, Gavin and I talked about this. Like you need more shooting in that starting lineup. Like RJ has been playing great, but he hasn't been able to shoot. You know, so like you need to supplement that a little bit. And they didn't do anything to really do that by putting Hart out there, and instead just didn't play Grimes a ton of minutes either. I, I don't totally get that decision. But I think that Hart works so much better coming off the bench as like a spark plug that can get out and transition, push pace, pass the guys, you know, and transition and set them up and just in general play that role more. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I, I I don't really see any benefit to adding any more people than Deuce to the rotation. And the best part is, too, and we alluded to this earlier, like you have a long layoff after this game, too. So if you can manage to like run the wheels off on the young guys for a game and pull this win out and go to Miami one and one, then potentially you could have a healthy or healthy ish, you know, Brunson and Randall to go there and well-rested guys otherwise. Cause it's, it's pretty rare that you get three days off uh, at any point during an NBA season, even during the postseason. So uh, yeah, I, I think I'm with you there. I mean, I don't know. Is there any, is there any like wrinkles you would throw in, game plan wise to try to combat what the heat did in game one i would i know that you know again people will be like what are you watching uh i would like to see quickly handle the ball more mm-hmm. i think that if brunson plays it doesn't matter to me actually uh if brunson plays it's even more reason to because i think that he can help get brunson free uh on the on the weak side and like swing him the ball now he's got an opportunity to attack a defense that's not loaded up on him um, I would like to see that. And honestly, like the big thing for me, and I've said this before the series, when we did our preview, like, I think this is a Hartenstein series. Mitch didn't play bad yesterday. I thought he actually was pretty good, but they're just like, Miami is so disciplined 
they had like three guys on him on the offensive glass every time a shot went up. They are like they're just not going to allow him to beat them via offensive rebound the way Cleveland did. And I I want to say this too: Gabe Vincent is a piece of shit. Um, that drive he had on Mitch, where he just drove into him, that was a dirty play. That was a super dirty play, and he got rewarded for it with offense with with free throws. I don't care what anybody says. That guy's a scumbag. And I'm happy that he had his little meditation, you know, article and, oh, I've fucking meditated and I found Jesus. Shut up. You're an asshole. <laughs> Fuck off. Um, but uh, I think the that'd be my biggest one is I, I really think Hartenstein needs to play more. I think I thought he played well against Miami in the regular season. I think he like spacing is at a premium. Obviously, Hartenstein. Uh, the, the stretch five rumors were not uh, were not true, but he does help create space because he can pass from the, you know, from the from the high post. He he can help. He can hit cutters. Right, we've seen him. There's more diversity to what he can do offensively than Mitch. Um, and I think you need that in this series. I thought you saw some of the limitations of Mitch being a pure role man yesterday. Uh, you can challenge their defenses in different ways, and we've seen him in the regular season uh, really have a lot of success being able to attack as a passer once, you know, Miami traps the ball handler. He's a really good release valve. Uh, I, I highlighted that. I thought, honestly, and I still believe this, I really think the key to winning this series is him quickly and Hart, not just playing. I mean, Hart's going to play a lot, but specifically being used um, in ways to attack Miami. Like I think quickly initiating, I think Hart and Hartenstein with him, I really like those three against this team and I would like to see them get more minutes. I like them, especially when they play with Grimes. I like them. You know, I, I like, I like that the, the lineup I really like against Miami uh, and I would hope to see it tomorrow is quickly Grimes, RJ Hart and Hartenstein. I think that lineup really has a lot of things that give Miami problems and it has enough shooting like heart at the four versus heart at three, you know, like shooting difference there matters. Um, I just think it has a lot of passing versatility. I think it has a lot of ball handling and defensively. I like the matchups you can get there. So uh, that's the lineup. I really think they should go with. That's the lineup that closed uh, the game in the regular season where we beat them at the garden. The last time we faced them, that lineup kicked ass and I think it would kick ass again. So definitely, um, Definitely, you know, I don't know if that's really an adjustment as much as more like a lineup I would like to see. Tactically, you know, be more aware of stuff like can Jimmy Butler move? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and should we attack that? That might be useful. Uh, other than that, like just screening, like be more aware of who you want to screen with. There were too many possessions where it felt like, you know, they came down and then they were like, okay, Obi, come and screen. It's like, like maybe this is something you should just know in advance. Mm-hmm. Um but just be more cognizant of what matchups you want to attack. They did a good job of it in the first half. They did a terrible job of it in the second half. And honestly, again, like just less the RJ and Hartman. It's like if you if you want to get Brunson and RJ going downhill, you need better spacing. And RJ and Hart, like look at how Miami was defending them yesterday. They did not respect them at all. They just played way off them. They had both guys in the paint. And because we don't run a lot of off-ball action – that's a killer. So you need to really prioritize spacing given how we operate offensively. So 
I understand he loves Josh Hart. I understand why he wants RJ out there and to get him going. He's got to find a better balance. I think he will find a better balance. I actually uh, shockingly have faith in, in Tibbs to adjust. He's done a much better job this year doing those things. So um, I'm, you know, slightly bullish. Yeah, cautiously optimistic. And I'm with you as a quick closing note. I, I, I loved how Mitch played in the first game, and I thought that defensively he really brought something great to the table. That said, I'm with you. I think that Harten- Hartenstein could be the key to unlocking something on offense in this series, especially if he's able to play most of his minutes with the the like primo cutters on this team. Because the only guy that's scary on defense from an interior defense perspective on the Heat is Bam Adebayo, and if you can get him out of the paint, whether that's with you know with with Hartenstein's passing, just what he can accomplish from the elbow there, or that little like like free throw line floater that he has helps kind of space the floor in its own little way. You know, if you can use that and, you know, pull Bam away from the hoop, even just that little bit and start hitting cutters like, you know, Obi Toppin going back door or, you know, Josh Hart or RJ Barrett is really good when he cuts. Uh, you could be in, you could find something new here. Actually, Deuce McBride too is honestly a really great cutter too. That's like some of his best drives. He doesn't do great himself creating a drive, but he's a great cutter. And has really good chemistry with Hardenstein mm-hmm. as well. So if you can take he's also, advantage of that. He's also shooting 100% from three in the playoffs. Well, that's something to take advantage of too. I don't know why they haven't exploited that more. It's very bizarre. Uh, don't, don't look at sample sizes. 100%. <laughs> uh, but anyway, Schwinn, this has been great, man. Uh, I think this is a good preview for what could be if we're without uh, uh, Jalen Brunson and, and Julius Randle going into this game two. And uh, I think... You know, you delivered a nice uh, dose of optimism here. So I appreciate that as well. Hopefully everybody else appreciates it. Do you want to just real quick uh, plug yourself and where to find you and everything else one more time before we go? Uh, I would not like to plug myself. Uh, <laughs> no, I will, I'll plug all the work at the Strickland. Uh, check it out. We've got podcasts. Uh, I have a couple on there. Prez does a really good job at the draft. And then um, – we also have the mailbag, which Alex is on, on one of them. And then uh, Dallas and uh, Doug, the dynamic duo, handle the other one. Uh, and uh, also shout out to Sam and Tyrese, who have been holding it down on the rundown. And uh, they've been doing really good work. They, they jump on there after each game, so check that out too uh, for your live reactions post-game. Uh, that I think I think I covered. Did I did I do a good job, boss? Did I cover all the uh, the talking points? Oh, check out our Patreon. Give uh-huh. us money. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was about to say. You just forgot to mention. Go to patreoncom Strickland, and otherwise you nail it all. So it's yeah. perfect. Good job. You, <laughs> your checks in the mail. Uh, all right. So anyway, thanks everybody for listening, and uh, we'll see how things go with this final injury report before game two but we'll have you guys covered on locked on Knicks as usual with a game recap and some other great episodes before the end of the week but until next time thank you all for listening and we'll talk to you soon peace out